Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Jeremy. All right. Good morning, everybody. Are you ready? Man, I am. That was pretty good. That was decent. Um, Confident God wants to do something this morning. Just feel he wants to show up. He wants to speak to us as we gather. And I'm so excited about it. Um, So are you ready? Let me try that one more time. Are you ready? That's, that's a little better, you know? I've been watching the Wimbledon. I just want to say before I start, no spoiler alert today. I know we spoiled the World Cup for some people last week. I'm not, I don't even know who won yet, so don't yell it out. Turn off your notifications. The Wimbledon's happening. I'm probably the only person that watches tennis besides Owen in here. Um, thank you. Uh, so just uh, keep that on, on quiet. And, um, but the Wimbledon, I've been watching a lot recently, and they... I don't know if you've played tennis, but the the most important position in tennis, if you know they had, you have a body position, it's called the ready position. Have you heard of that? It's what all teachers will tell you, get back to the ready position. And that's like legs bent on your toes. If you ever see a person in the professional tennis world, they're never standing like this, waiting for the tennis ball. (laughs) Are they? You ever seen that? No, they're like... They're like this, they're down, they're ready, they're on their toes, they're ready to, to move, to receive the ball. That's what happens, you know? And it just made me think, there is a ready position when you come to worship. You know that? There's a ready position in your heart that you can come with where you're ready. You're ready for God to, to move, for God to speak. And I was listening to a pastor a couple weeks ago. He said, desperation is the doorway that breakthrough walks through. Isn't that good? Desperation. That's being so ready, being so desperate to hear God, to hear his voice, that you are ready for whatever he's going to do. And, and that's how we want you to come this morning. So if you're not ready yet, are you ready to get ready? Are you at least ready to get ready? Maybe try to put yourself in the ready position. Okay, I'm going to have you stand up, and we're going we're gonna to just stand up and read God's word together. Okay, I'm going to read it. Hopefully, this will help you get ready. Ephesians 1 is what we're reading out of, all right? This is God's word. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God 
for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us, showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. All right, so as you sit down, tell your neighbor, I'm ready, bring it. That was, that was pretty good. Got the ready position. Just a quick, uh, quick recap from last week. John started this series, My Maker is My Mirror. And the gist is that the one who created me, the one who formed me out of dust, who, who thought me up, who made me, is the only one that can define me. He's the only one that can show me really who I am. And we look in all these distorted mirrors of who we are in the world, and it impacts how we live. What mirror you believe impacts how you live. Believe it or not, it does. And so John's, last week, he talked about, he just reminded us that we're more unique, we're more precious, we're more valuable than we think. And when we look into the mirror of our maker, we can be freed up from comparison, from trying to fix ourselves, from feeling less than. So it's an awesome message. Go check it out. This morning, we're going to talk about the mirror that God puts up in front of us that tells us we're adopted into his family. Anybody here ever look into the wrong mirror? Anybody besides me look into the wrong mirror? the distorted mirror. Maybe you've looked into the mirror of, of Instagram and Facebook that tells you how lame your life is right now, that everyone else is having this incredible life but you. Maybe it's the mirror of someone telling you something about yourself that you've sat under and you've believed it, a parent or another person. Maybe it's the mirror of the culture that just says you're not enough. You're never gonna be enough. You're never gonna have enough. This mirror, this truth we just read is going to remind us today that we're far richer than we realize. We are far richer in Christ than we even know. And that's what Paul is doing here. He is writing to the Ephesians, the, the church in Ephesus. He's going around the world. He's traveling. He's starting churches. He's, he's hanging out with new believers. He's bringing people into the faith. And he is writing to the, the Ephesus these Christians that are in this really amazing port city that's rich, that's hip, that's cool. And he's saying, you know, all the worldly stuff that's out there, it's nothing compared to the riches you have in Jesus. Let me remind you of that. And we need to be reminded of that, don't we? In this port city, wealthy, beautiful people here, there's riches that we can have spiritually that are so far beyond anything our world can give us. And so Paul is writing that and he says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing because we are united with christ you want to have every spiritual blessing that sounds pretty awesome doesn't it i know i want that i want every spiritual blessing how do we get that we we get united with christ we become united with jesus we align our lives with the life of jesus we surrender to his way that's what it means to be united. And he gives us this picture. Paul gives us a picture of what being united is. It's being adopted into his family. This word adoption, 
would have been a, a, a word that first century Christians would know. Roman adoption, it was a thing. It was a legal thing. And in a second, a child's status could be changed and, and they could be adopted into a family. And, and their debts would be forgiven. And listen to this quote by this historian, Francis Lyle. He said, the profound truth about Roman adoption was that the adoptee was taken out of his previous state and placed in a new relationship of son to his father, or daughter to his father, her father. All his old debts were instantly canceled, and in effect, the adoptee started a new life as part of this new family. This is the picture that Paul gives us. You're adopted into God's family. Have you thought of yourself as adopted? You're adopted. That's what, that's what the mirror shows us this morning. And so I want to give us three, three truths about our adoption and how to experience it. Because it's meant to be experienced, not just known up here. Like John said last week, we're meant to, this 18-inch journey right here is, is challenging. It's hard to get it from here to here. That's what we're going to try to do this morning. So the first truth, you are chosen you are chosen. This might be really hard for some of you to accept this truth. You are chosen. Maybe your whole life you felt like, I'm not, I'm not the chosen person. I'm, I'm not the one who's picked for the teams or the job or whatever. God's saying here, you are chosen. Did you read that? Before the world, before he created the world, he chose you. No matter how long you think the world's been around, that's a long time, isn't it? Before he created the world, he chose you. He chose you. He chose you to be holy, to be set apart, to be without fault, to reflect who he is. He was thinking of you before he even made the world. What does this mean? This means you, you belong to his family. You belong to him. You are chosen. Some of us have this running narrative that I, I just don't belong here. I'm not wherever you are, maybe wherever God calls you. Maybe your job, maybe it's church, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your school. That, that you just don't belong. You, you, you don't really fit in. You're not cool enough or smart enough or fashionable enough or hip or whatever it is. You don't have the right words or the right gifts. We have this running narrative in our heads sometimes, don't we? That, gosh, I don't know if I belong here. And Paul reminds us, you do belong. You belong to Christ. You belong. God has chosen you. He has adopted you. Brené Brown writes this, that in all her research, the one thing that separated men and women who felt a deep sense of love and belonging from people who were struggling, that one thing was belief in their worthiness. We must believe that we are worthy of love and belonging. He chose you. That's what it tells you. You are worthy because your maker has made you worthy. Because Jesus has made you worthy. You are worthy of love and belonging. I know, I, I just want to speak a word over some of you today that are just, you're feeling left out. I, I've been there. I know what that feels like. And I, I just want to speak this word. You are chosen. Just receive that. 
Receive that from God. Stop thinking you're worthless. Stop thinking that. Those, those are lies. Those are, that's a mirror that is not true, that's distorted. Some of us are just so, we're so mean to ourselves, aren't we? We can get into this self-loathing, this self-hatred if we make a mistake, if we do the wrong thing, and we just feel worthless, and we start talking to ourselves that way. Jesus has given us the ability to have authority over those thoughts, over those thought patterns, to change our thoughts. And science has proved this recently. Neuroplasticity, you've probably heard that phrase. It means we can change our thought patterns. You can. So let's, you, whatever, whatever it takes, maybe you need to write it on your hand. Maybe you need to put sticky notes on your car all over your house. Maybe you need to tattoo it on your forehead. Whatever it takes, get this thought in your head. You are chosen. You belong. I wrote this. Our world says, when you get your life right, you belong. God says you belong because Jesus makes you right. Our world says you have to fit in. You have to adjust your life. To, to belong. God says, just come. Bring all of you. Come as you are. Religion says, if you believe this, if you believe this, if you believe this, if you raise your hand, if you go to this class, then you can belong. Jesus says, you can belong before you even believe. I'm going to accept you. I'm going to bring you into my family. That's what we do here at Ocean Hills, isn't it? We want to we be a place where anybody can belong. Look at the disciples. You think Jesus... You know, when he picked his disciples, they had no idea what they were signing up for, did they? And he, if he had told them the whole truth about what was going to go down, there's no way they would have said yes. I, I believe that. I don't know. They, they just, there was too much. They couldn't handle it. He, he welcomed them in. He brought them into a family, and he took them one step at a time closer to the Father, closer to the cross. And they, they started to be like, wow, that, that's different than I thought it was going to be, but okay, this is real. This is going to happen. And they were brought into a family. He, they belonged. I'm not sure if you heard about Davian Only. Anybody know that word, Davian Only? He was a 15-year-old boy about a year and a half ago. He he's, lives in Florida. And he goes to our church there. He was a foster child most of his life in and out of foster care, and his mom went to jail, and he was surfing the internet one night, and he discovered that his mom had died. That's how he found out. So he asked the pastor if he could get up in church. The pastor gave him the mic one, one Sunday morning, about a year and a half ago, and he said this. He said, I want to be adopted I'll take anyone, old, young, dad, mom, black, white, purple, I don't care. I would be really appreciative the best I could. The news got a hold of that story. 10,000 people responded. 10,000 people. There's something about belonging that, that just we know it's not right for someone not to belong. He, he ended up being adopted by a woman in the church who already had kids who welcomed him into her family. Let me be crystal clear this morning with you. 
You belong here. You belong in this family. You belong to God. Regardless of your status, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your background, your family, your orientation, your failures, your successes, your addictions, whatever it is, you belong. Some of you need to hear that this morning because you're adopted. You're adopted into his family. The second truth is you have authority. You have authority. Just like Lila was talking about, you have authority. Verse 7, he's so rich in kindness and grace, he purchased our freedom with his blood. When you're adopted, you're given the authority of the household, the house you're adopted into. You're given the family name, you know? You have this authority placed on you that you didn't earn. You just get to receive it. Let me explain a little bit. Jesus, in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to who? To me, he said. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, and so I send you. And he proved it. He conquered death and sin on the cross. He conquered it. He has been given all authority. Maybe you don't know, there was this big wall, this curtain that separated the temple, the holy of holies in the temple, the place where the power and the authority, the presence of God rested, this huge curtain. And when Jesus died and breathed his last death, that curtain tore in two. The authority has is, is been given to his children. We get to receive his authority. I don't know if it's sinking in yet. Let me, let me try to explain. I don't know if this illustration will, will work, but I remember growing up in Burton Valley, my parents, John and Lee Schaefer, and um, they were amazing, generous, hospitable. So many things they did as a kid that I can think of that, that stand out, like adding on a room to our house so that we could house pregnant teenagers and walk them through their pregnancy who were giving their babies up for adoption. Um, I remember them giving a car to a family in our church who desperately needed one. You know, all these things where you just as a kid, they kind of fly by and you don't really think about, wow, that was sacrificial what they did. That was amazing. But as I grew up and I became a teenager and a young adult, I remember being introduced to people and meeting people. And um, our community was pretty small up there and um, the church community. And I remember, I remember when people found out I was a Schaefer. They were like, oh. your parents are John and Lee? Oh my gosh. And then they would go like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, something, something my parents did that was so amazing for them, you know, that, that was just, you know, highlighted their generosity. And what did that do to me, you think, as, as their son? It gave me so much confidence, like, wow, my parents are that, that's incredible. I, I get the honor of, of being in this family. And you know where I'm going here. Our status has changed. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You have the authority of Jesus placed on you. You get to receive his authority, his family name. I think it was Stephen Furtick who said something like this. It's, 
It's not how powerful you think God is that matters. It's how powerful you think the God is that's in you that matters. He's given us authority. It's so easy to feel defeated in this life, isn't it? And discouraged. And it's not turning out the way that I wanted it to, or I can't get through this. I can't get past this addiction. I can't overcome this situation. We look at ourselves in the mirror of weakness, and we talk to ourselves like we're weak, don't we, sometimes? And Jesus says to us, all authority on heaven and earth, I've, I've given it to you. My spirit, God says he put his, the spirit of Jesus inside of us, the spirit of power and love and self-control. Come on, isn't that awesome? You have the power, Jesus says, to heal, to cast out spirits, to raise a life. Are you seeing yourself in that mirror? You have the authority of the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name in this universe. That's the name you carry when you believe in him, when you trust him. The last one, we can enjoy intimacy with God. And this is, this is huge. This, is, this one just rocked me this week. This is really what we were created for. God decided in advance to bring us into his family. His plan all along was that, would that be, we would have a close, intimate, personal relationship with him. That's what the spirit of adoption really is. It's, it's about intimacy, right? It's about, it's about closeness. Let me read Galatians um, 4, 6 through 7. Four through seven, actually, I think. Yeah. This is one of the parallel passages. It said, But when the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer slave, a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And there's two parallel parts in this, this passage that are really important to think about. Jesus was sent into the world, Jesus, God's agent, was sent into the world to do what? To, to buy our freedom so that we could become children of God. But then there's another part. Because we're children, God sent another agent, his Holy Spirit, into where? Are you listening? Into our hearts. He didn't send the Holy Spirit into the world. He sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we would be prompted to cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, it means daddy. The Spirit helps us cry, Abba. That's the intimate word for father, right? You've probably heard that. 
It's baby talk. Say Abba. Say Abba like a baby. Don't take yourself too seriously. Come on, say Abba like a baby. Abba. Yeah, there you go. Jack got it. Abba. We got to cry, Abba, Father. And here's, here's what got me is just thinking about this, that, you know, we can claim what the Son does. We can claim it in our head. We can believe it. We can, we can just totally understand the gospel as much as, as possible and claim it for ourselves. We're free. I'm living in the family of God. But we can only experience what the Spirit does. We can claim what Jesus did, but we can only experience what the Spirit does. The Spirit's in our hearts. This is what Tim Keller said, and he said, the Son's job was to make us sons and daughters, whether we feel like it or not. The Spirit's job is to help us feel like we are his children. Help us feel like we are his children. Do you want that? You want, to, you want to feel like you're his child? I know I do. Thomas Goodwin, old school Puritan preacher, he illustrates the difference here. He said, picture a man walking along the road with a little boy holding hands. Suddenly the father stops and picks up the boy and kisses him and embraces him. the difference in the enjoyment of that status. Isn't there a difference there? I got to pick up my daughter. She got home from camp yesterday after a week, her first week ever being gone. And I got to pick her up and twirl her around and kiss her. And, you know, she was, she was so happy to see me. And we had this moment, just the enjoyment of, of the status of being a child. God wants you to feel that. He wants you to know that. The Spirit helps us enjoy this relationship. So let me close with um, talking about the prodigal son because this, this is where this week as I was praying about, God, what do you want to say to us? This just stood out to me. And many of you know the prodigal son. It's a story that I've been reading for 30 years and listening to and heard so many sermons on and there's a little angle, just a little, a little new twist that I just hadn't really stuck with me before. And, and so I had to, I had to share it because it was so relevant to what we're talking about here. The story Jesus told is about our relationship with God, the story of the prodigal son, where a son asks for his inheritance, and then he goes and squanders it in wild living, and then he ends up in a pig pen and realizes that his dad's servants are living better than he is, and so he, he says, I'm going to go back and apologize and ask if I can just be a servant. That's it. And so he's on his way back rehearsing, rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad. And, and his dad comes out. And before he can even ask for anything, his dad hugs him and kisses him. Hugs him and kisses him. And this is, this is from a, a preacher, Sinclair Ferguson. Listen to this. Like the prodigal son, we have a native inability to believe 
that salvation is by grace and love alone. We have the status of sons, but we have the mindset of a servant. Man, that line just slayed me this week. We have the status of sons and daughters, but we have the mindset of a servant. What the prodigal son does is what we do, isn't it? When we come to God, we say, God, I don't know if I want the father-son relationship. I, I just want the employee-boss relationship. Can I bring something of worth to the table? Can I bring it? Can I fix myself? Can I clean myself up a little bit? Can I earn a little bit of your favor? We don't realize how good the father is, do we? We haven't gotten it across. We haven't gotten it down 18 inches yet. We have the status of children, but the mindset of a servant. Maybe you're like, no, I don't, I don't have that. I, got, I know I'm a kid. I'm a, I'm a child of God. Listen to these questions. Why am I so sensitive to criticism? Why do I so often feel like I'm not doing enough, like I'm a failure? Why do I take so long to recover after I mess up? Why is there no joy in my heart when I have to ask for forgiveness or confess my sins? Why do I still live in shame? Why am I secretly comparing myself all the time to other people? That's what it looks like to have the mindset of a servant. The freedom that comes with knowing you're a son, knowing what that entails is immense. Can anybody else relate to that? Anybody else have those thoughts, those questions? See, God is so much better than we think. We say it every week, but it just doesn't sink in, does it? He's so much better. What does the father do in this story? He, he's got the ring and the robe already. The party's already happening when the son comes is running up. And he just comes and he throws his arms around the son and kisses him. I never thought about the kiss of the father. But as I was reading Nowen and Keller and Spurgeon, these other scholars, they all think it's a metaphor for what the Spirit does. The kiss of the Father is what the Spirit does. It, it shows us this, the enjoyment that God has for his great pleasure, you guys. He adopted you. He delights in you. The Spirit is sent for us to experience his delight, experience his love in a deeper way than we do right now. I'm going to have the band come up. And you might be asking, how do, how do I do this? How can I experience more of the Holy Spirit? How do I experience the Father's kiss? How do I experience the delight of this relationship? And I think the key is really in this Galatians passage. Because we are his children, you see Jesus sent into the world to redeem us, to bring us into his family. So what Jesus did, we can claim that, we can, we can totally understand that, 
But then because we are his children, on the basis of what Jesus did, the Spirit comes. On the basis of what Jesus did. Does that make sense? Are you following me? So I I think it's the same. On the basis of what Jesus did, the Spirit will come. As I fix my eyes on Jesus, as I fill my head with what he did, as I meditate on it, as I read scripture, as I pray, as I adore and worship Jesus for who he is and what he did, the Spirit will come. That's the promise here. The Spirit will come. Maybe you're ready for just a breakthrough this morning of the Holy Spirit. You want to you wanna feel the presence of God. God wants you to. He wants to pour out his spirit on you. He wants you to feel his delight in you. Not just know it up here, but to know you're adopted. You are my beloved child. So we're going to have a little time of worship, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to fix our eyes on what Jesus has done, on what what he has done on the cross, what he's done in our lives, and what he's done in this world. And the question for you is just, are you ready? Are you ready for more? Are you tired of lifeless religion, of going through the motions, and just coming to church, and doing your religious duty, and doing that? And do you want more? Do you want to feel it? That's That's what God wants you to. God wants you to know in such a powerful and deep way. So I'm going to invite the prayer team They're going to be around here. You're welcome to come up. And and, uh, I want to encourage you to just ask for a breakthrough today. If there is some area of your life where you're like, you're feeling stuck, you are feeling like, I want to, God, I need your spirit to come and to break my heart and to help me know that I'm adopted. Help me know that I belong or that I have authority over evil and darkness or that I can experience intimacy with you. Maybe there's a blockage where you, you just feel some, you need God to break it through. He wants to. So come and maybe you just want to come and kneel at the cross. So when I invite you to a time of worship where you just kneel at the cross and worship today and fix our eyes and meditate on the amazing grace that God has given us in Jesus. You are beloved children of God. Let me finish just with this one scripture, leave you with this. You can put it on the screen, Tom. I think I have it in there in the middle. It's Romans 8, 15 and 16. The Passion Translation. This is so good. You did not receive a spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, the spirit of adoption enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved, Father, Abba, Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers in our innermost being. You are God's beloved child. Experience his goodness today. Brothers and sisters, family, we get to do this together. This is such a joy. Let's experience the love of God as we sing and worship and pray together. Amen.
Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.